0: You have to choose your executor carefully. The executor generally exercises discretion, but it's so important to name a trustworthy person with a fair, impartial, reasonable personality, especially if there's sibling rivalry going on. You want someone who will fulfill your intentions.
1: Welcome to Getting Money Right with David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about estate planning and specifically how to distribute your estate. In the last episode, we talked about the benefits of having a revocable living trust and having a plan in place, having that plan, using a revocable living trust instead of a will. And in this episode, we'll talk about setting up that living trust and how to distribute your assets. So Leo, in the first place, how would I even go about starting to set up a living trust or a will?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, David. There are two primary ways that someone can use to draw up a living trust. First, you can use an online organization such as LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer, and the price is somewhere between $39.99 per document or per month, depending on whether you have a membership or you're just doing one document at a time, and as much as $300 to draw up a complete living trust. So the price is reasonable, but understand you're doing a lot of this on your own. There's not a lot of guidance unless you pay an extra for it. The other option is to hire an attorney. Now, an attorney will walk you through the whole process and do all of the work for you. However, the cost is a little bit expensive. It can be anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 for a single person or 1,200 to 2,000 for a couple. Now, it is a considerable amount, but it certainly is much cheaper than the alternative of not having a plan.
1: Yeah, you gotta balance it out on all the time that you would lose and all the expenses that you would lose in legal fees going through the probate system. So to not have a living trust set up now your finances go into the probate system, attorneys are hired, it takes a much longer time, and you've got a lot more fees to pay. So you're saving a considerable amount of money Mm -hmm. by putting that plan in place in advance. So uh, if you're a church or a nonprofit organization, I really recommend that you look into financial planning ministry. Now, this is a big ministry that specializes in estate plans and has really a full service process for the members of a church or the employees of a nonprofit organization, and I highly recommend them. It's something that uh, we've used the church that I attend and that I work at. And we as a church have decided that we want to allow every single member of our church to set up a full living trust mm-hmm. uh, for free at no charge to them, and the church pays for that on the back end to make sure that every single family member inside of our church has a living trust, which, as you said, Leo, can be easily $1,000 to 1500 if you sit down with an attorney. Well, going through this process, you sit down with one of the experts and they build all the legal documentation that you need. And it's important to us as a church because we want to make sure that our people are taken care of. And so um, I I recommend this personally, but as somebody who uh, is a pastor at a church, it really matters to me that you have this plan in place, uh, because it matters how you steward, which means manage, Mm -hmm. that which belongs to someone else. Well, put a plan in place so that when you're gone, somebody else can manage what has been entrusted to you.
0: Yeah, it's a great organization. So whichever you decide to use, uh, just make sure you do your homework. It's going to require a little bit of learning on your end. So learn as much as you can about estate plans and educate yourself on the basics so you'll know which one is best for you. And you'll also understand the terminology if you do decide to either use one of these online options or go to an attorney and sit down with them and uh, have them craft one out for you.
1: So Leo, what are some of the documents that I'll need to take care of? I noticed that you even said for $39.99 per document, you know, what are some of the documents or things that I'll need to be thinking about as I'm creating a living trust?
0: Yeah, so there's there's a checklist uh, for creating a living trust that you probably should compile before you even start going down that road and creating one. First, you want to list your assets that you want to include in your trust, including your house, cars jewelry, stocks, bonds, life insurance policies, anything that you own that you wanna put into trust. Uh, Documents such as titles and deeds of property, uh, stock certificates, uh, life insurance policies, you'll need all of that because you wanna take those assets and put them into uh, the living trust once you create it. So choose your beneficiaries, that's another thing that you need to think about. Now, if you're married, that'll be your spouse, obviously, but it also may be other members of your family that you want to uh, name at this time. Uh, For instance, let's say you had a previous marriage and you want to leave some of your assets to your children. You want to make sure that you are distributing them and assigning them to the way that you want. So choose your beneficiaries carefully. Uh, Choose a successor or trustee and a secondary trustee because there's a chance that maybe they'll precede you and uh, you need to have more than one. I know that they'll ask for at least two in the documents that you fill in.
1: Yeah, that's good. So you're looking at somebody to manage the trust itself. Uh, But you also need to choose someone to take care of your children. Mm -hmm. And so it might not be the same person. Maybe you've got a family member or a friend who's great at finances, who you entrust, who you you would make a trustee of the estate. Uh, But on the flip side, maybe they don't line up with all your same moral beliefs and the way that you want to raise your children. And you've got another family member that you would believe is best for that. And so make sure you've got that on paper in advance. That's another thing you'll want to think about. going to need to have the document prepared Uh, and so as you go through legally everything needs to line up and as you're preparing it then you need to have it notarized to make sure that uh, there are witnesses seeing you sign it that can acknowledge this is a legal document signed by this person on this date and it funds the trust when you take your assets and you begin to place them into the trust. So now that you've got this notarized document, you have the trust, you have the entity, you've got the treasure chest over here, but now you've got to fund the trust by taking the deeds that you talked about gathering, the deed to your home, the deed to your car, the title to your car, uh, any any certificates of bonds, certificates of stocks, the life insurance policy, you begin to put that into the trust, and that
0: allows it to pass by probate. That's good. And the last thing I would say is store your trust in a safe place. And uh, keep your trust up to date. Uh, There will be changes if you create this trust and you're in your 30s or 40s. There's a good chance that you'll make some changes and add some assets, hopefully, to your trust as as you age. So keep it up to date. Make sure that you're looking at it at least once a year to make sure that everything lines up with what you have intended.
1: Yeah, that's good. And another thing that you'll want to think about, Is your medical directive Mm -hmm. this is how you're directing people to handle your medical situations if you're ever unable to handle them yourself uh, in any given situation so you know there's a lot that could go into this you don't need to spend a crazy amount of time on it but you need to think about it uh you know would i want an artificial feeding tube to sustain my life And how long? Would I want it to do that for a month, for five years? Um, If I were to die, do I want somebody to come perform CPR on me and try to bring me back? Mm. You know, at at some point in your life, uh, that might be a clear yes. And you're like, absolutely. I want everything possible to bring me back. But maybe later on in life, you get to the place where you're ready. And when you go, you're ready to go. And so you need to kind of come up with this in advance and have a directive of what medical providers will do. Uh, Life support equipment. Do you want to have ventilators? You know, the breathing machines set before you. Uh, Do you want to have a do not resuscitate? That same type of thing. If you were to pass, do you want them to resuscitate you? Do you want them to bring you back? And these are things you need to sit down and think about. I think it's really clear at some stages of life and at some stages of life, it takes a little bit more digging into. So that's just the directives. Mm-hmm. But now you need to choose a healthcare proxy, a person who can make those decisions on your behalf. And that's a that's a legal form that you sign and fill out. And you basically choose the person to make those decisions on your behalf when you're incapable. And basically they have the exact same rights that you do when you are able to communicate so that when you're not able to communicate, they have all those rights and can speak on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So that's on the medical side, it's a healthcare proxy. But then what about on the financial side? On the financial side, you'll want a durable power of attorney And through this, you're setting up again in advance someone who can execute legal documents on your behalf. They have the power of an attorney to step in and say, hey, uh, I can sign and make bank transactions on this person's behalf they could sign social security checks they could apply for disability let's say that you've gone unconscious you're in a coma and they can apply for disability to make sure that your medical bills are getting paid and so they have the ability to handle legal financial transactions on your behalf even write checks in your name so you want to choose somebody that is going to honor that responsibility and is good at handling finances all right, well, Leo, let's talk a little bit about how to distribute your estate and you know, creating your wishes in such a way that it takes care of your family, friends, those organizations that you care about. So how would you start that process?
0: First thing that you want to do is give away gifts while you're still alive. We talked about this in the last episode. Uh, remember, you're allowed to give up to $14,000 per year to as many individuals as you like. Couples can give 28000 per year. That's a significant amount that you can pass on way before uh, you're looking at passing away. There's a large amount of money that you can give to your heirs over time if you pre-plan and begin to do this. Also, if there's a specific item you want to give to loved ones, present them now. In other words, get them out of your estate. It can be really rewarding to see your prized possessions go to individuals who appreciate them. And depending on the size of your house, you may have thousands of them. Uh, You know, there's a, a, a lot of stuff that we accumulate over the years. And it's important that you look at those things and decide who gets them. I remember my wife's grandmother, every time she received a gift, this is an interesting story, she would receive a gift, she would appreciate it, but then she would put a a little note on it and tape it to the backside or the bottom side of the item that she received. And if it was, I don't know, it could have been a tea set or any gift, and she would put who gave her that gift and what year. And her intention, a hope was that at the time of her death, she would give that gift back. To the person that gave it to her. Wow, that's was cool. kind of interesting. Never so, of that. when when she passed away, my wife received this uh, antique uh, tea set that she had bought. Now, Natalie hadn't bought it for my for her grandmother, but it's one item that she wanted her to have. So, there was surely a note with my wife's name in it, and she was able to get that. And it means a lot to her, even to this day. So, yeah. it, however you decide to do it, it's important that you look at the things that you possess and. Especially those special items that you want your uh, daughters or your sons to have, or your grandkids, and uh, make sure that you include those in. Make sure that you're including a document that says this is exactly what I want and and who I want to go to.
1: Yeah, I don't think that we can overstate the importance of doing this while you're alive, while you're in relationship. Uh, imagine if you've got some relationships that need to be repaired. Well, this is a great way to do it. Take some of those things, some of those. Uh, physical objects that have emotions and memories tied to them and go love on your family members. You know, go create new memories and say, I want to give this to you now because I care about you. And think about how much more beneficial that object may be in someone else's home than just sitting in your closet collecting dust. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing to think about is there are things that you probably are really passionate about that you have collected and kept but other people in your family might not have that same passion. And so you're the only one who really knows uh, what the value of those objects are and nobody else in your family might be able to manage them or, if needed, sell them for the value that they possess today. Mm-hmm. So use it as an opportunity to build relationship with your family. Uh, use this time as a way to bless your family by creating notes, kind of like Leo's wife's grandmother did. Put notes on there, who you want it to go to or how valuable it is, and let people know. Uh, this is a really good way. Start to clean up your attic a little bit. Start to clean up your garage a little bit. And let people know, this is what this is worth, and this is why I'm giving it to you. Uh, it'll really share a lot of the heart, uh, and it'll let people see a little bit into your life, and it'll create relationships.
0: Yeah, you can make a specific request in your will or in a letter of intent that specifically lines out what you want done. So you can be very detailed. It's not a, It's not something that's difficult to do. And also think of your executor. Your executor has to look at all of your assets— and then determine what they're worth. They may have to get some appraisers to come in and and find out what these items are worth so that they're not giving or selling a painting that's worth a lot of money. They're not giving it away uh, or valuing it wrong. And it's important to to realize that you you can also make it easier on your executor by doing some of this preliminary work and making sure that you're very clear on what you want and where you want those items to go.
1: Yeah, and you're going to want to make sure that you have set aside some funds to pay the executor because Mm -hmm. this person's now going to put in a ton of time setting up auctions, maybe doing your tax return, maybe handling the bank accounts, the closing and the liquidating of cash or the selling of property. You want to make sure that person's taken care of. So if you have a child or a friend that you think, Hey, they're really responsible. I would love for them to handle this for me. Well, you better pay them handsomely. You know, take care of that person. If that means that you need to leave more to one child versus another in that one has the added responsibility of handling all of the paperwork, this this could easily be a hundred hours worth of labor. Oh yeah. And if you care about this person pay them 100 hours worth of labor, you know, pay them at a good rate, pay them at a minimum their hourly working rate, but bless them. I mean, you know, they're they're about to handle your estate for you, take care of them so they have added incentive to honor your
0: requests. Yeah, that's great. Also, um, whatever you decide to do, and whatever uh, person you decide to pick, as David said, make sure you honor them. But at the same time, make sure that you um, give them as much information that they need to do a good job that they're not going to spend more hours than they need to and that they have clear direction so whatever whatever you decide to do just know that they will appreciate clear written instructions so make sure that's included uh, all right david let's talk about guiding or dividing your estate among your heirs
1: oh this is <laughs> this is the big one this is the real hey how do i distribute my estate and uh, you know i would use what i would call a fair division of your assets when appropriate now i'm saying fair but i'm also putting air quotes on this i want you to know that fair uh, doesn't necessarily mean that if you have four kids they each get 25 percent there may be one child who has a little bit of a disability and is going to need to be taken care of in life more with some of these resources There may be a child who uh, has become successful in their business, they've become successful in their finances, and you still want to uh, bless them, but you may look at another child who's going to need a little bit more help and be fair to the individual. Now, uh, if one of them is great at handling a business and inside of your estate you have a business that you've built up over your lifetime – you would look at giving that to the one who's good at business and maybe giving uh, a smaller non-voting minority right to the business to another child you know maybe giving an equity position but not a voting rights position you want to be fair in the specialized gifts and talents of each of your children and recognize that they're unique and talk to them in advance of why you're doing certain things the way that you're doing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in some seasons of life this is so easy. You look at it, you say, okay, I've got maybe two infants, and so I'm gonna create a plan that you know t- that puts them with a good guardian that has a good trustee of the the trust, and that person's gonna manage the money, and they'll each get 50 percent, you know, when they turn. 18, they'll get 50% of their 50%. And when they turn 25, they'll get the other 50% or 25% more. You know, you'll break it down based on age appropriate. But let's say as they grow up, they turn into two different people. And one follows your beliefs and follows your understandings and does the things that you care about. And one turns to drugs mm-hmm. and one turns to gambling or other addictions. You don't want to fund and fuel those addictions. Right. Uh, You don't want to harm them by enabling them with more cash to fuel things that harm them more. So, you know, I would recommend that in a situation like that, you don't completely cut one child out because what you've then done is alienate that child from you for the rest of your life. I mean, maybe, maybe you're gone, but now you've killed any chance of any healing and forgiveness and, and openness to that child in your life. And so maybe you leave them something or an allotment, but you don't just open the floodgates of money when somebody's not handling money well. That's there so needs true. to be an understanding of how this person's managing. Um, for Ashley and I, this is unique to us. You know, we don't have kids yet as of today. And so hopefully, you know, later on, as you're listening to this, at some point, we will have kids in the future. Uh, but when we looked at ours, we said, okay, well, we want to, we had a a big life insurance policy when you look at the two of us combined. And we said, well, we'll leave this to our family. We'll leave some to our parents, some to our siblings, and then we'll leave some to our church because we care a lot about our church and about the work that the church does. Right. And so we were going to leave, and I don't remember the exact percentages, but I want to say 80% to our family and 20% to our church. And we thought that that was generous to the church and we thought it was generous to family. But when we looked at the size of our life insurance... And this huge amount that we'd be giving, distributing amongst eight or nine family members, the per person amount was huge. And our parents are grown and they have homes and they have jobs and their finances are, you know, in order. Uh, Our siblings are growing still and a cash infusion early on in life would benefit them but we still don't need to leave them this huge chunk of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to leave them with something that's a blessing, but when we looked at it, you know, from a from a biblical perspective, we looked at it from this idea that, hey, we've been entrusted to manage this money, and our heart is to grow the church and grow um, biblically, serve other people, take the gospel to the world. And mm-hmm. so we said we want to actually take... Eighty percent, or maybe it was 70% and put it into the church, and then 30% would be distributed amongst our family members. And I remember having that conversation. It took us a while to get there, but sometimes your family members have arrived at a certain level where the extra cash is nice, Mm -hmm. but it's not the most important thing in the world. So you've got to determine what's important to your family and to your belief system and to what you want to do with the money that has been entrusted to you.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone should look at any family member as uh, as a way to wealth and uh, uh, living, you know, a higher lifestyle than they really need to. So that's really important for us as we look at creating estate plans. And because, as we talked about earlier, that an estate plan, a big portion of the estate plan is life insurance, and that life insurance can be very high depending on you know what you've chosen and leaving that money with people that are either not yet mature enough or have never quite fully have come to the point where they know how to manage money well, knowing that if you're doing that wrong, if you're giving it to them and they're not able to manage it well, uh, that you're actually going to do more harm than good should really make you pause and think, okay, what is the best option here? Uh, I've had the unfortunate opportunity of doing a, uh, a funeral for a gentleman a while back And that was the dynamic of this family. One of the sons had turned to drugs, uh, was not trustworthy, uh, had never kept a job. He was just, unfortunately, just never grew up. And the dad, as I was preparing, I met him before he passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, the dad said to me, He says, As much as I would love to help my son, I know that if I give him money, it won't help him. And so I won't leave him anything. Mm. And it was, I understood the position. It was a hard position that he had to take. And I could see the pain that he was going through, knowing that he would leave and his son would probably, because he he was mature in this way, that he was going to look at this and probably hate his father and his sisters um, because of this turn of events. And it played out exactly that way. But I do think that the man made the right decision. Uh, I think if he would have left the money, he would have blown it and then probably got into more trouble than he already was. So it's a difficult decision to make, but I think it's a I'm glad you mentioned it and you talked about it, David, because it is something that as people that we've been trusted with wealth, we need to figure out how do we distribute that so that the people that we leave it to are going to be blessed and put in a better position rather than harmed. And uh that's that's a it's a big weight to carry, but one that we need to rise up to and make sure that we do the right thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know um, who said this, and I, I think I think I have it off the top of my head, but you know, they said I want to leave my kids enough that they can do anything, but I don't want to leave them so much that they can do nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been Warren Buffett. That's what I was saying. I think it's yeah, Warren Buffett. And,
1: so. and you know, Warren Buffett is a multi, multi, multi-billionaire. Mm-hmm. And he wants to leave his kids enough to where they can do anything. Hey, you want to be the world's best violin player? Go to take all the violin classes you want. You know, Whatever the, the situation is. You want to be the world's best artist. You want to be the world's best whatever. but But enough that you can go do that but not to where you can just sit back and have money pour in every month for the rest of your life and do nothing. And you know, part of what fulfills us in life is work and the meaning mm-hmm. and the purpose and the relationships that we get from the work we're doing. And you know, I think we should all be looking for meaningful work uh, and that you should be looking for work that matters in the moment to bring in income, but then over time be looking for work that really fulfills you. But if you have all the money in the world, then you lose some of the incentive and incentive is so important if you lose the incentive to work you lose the incentive to thrive you lose the incentive to find joy in the everyday small luxuries versus just being completely surrounded by luxury. Um, that's not to say luxury is a bad thing, but just that that desire to learn and grow and develop. If you lose that because you have a ton of money, then I think that that child has been harmed by their parents. So I love that Warren Buffett says that. You know? Yeah,
0: that's yeah, great. So another thing that you can do is ask your heirs if they want sentimental gifts. Um, you know, Something small like a, a teacup uh, might not have much monetary value, but Uh, It can be something that maybe a daughter uh, finds as a favorite item from childhood. So uh, she might resent you if you don't give it to her. So why not have those conversations before you pass? Why not ask them what is it that uh, they like that you possess that uh, they find valuable and they would love to have once you pass away? It would be a gift that would remind them of you. So just think about those things and have that conversation and uh, then put it in your trust.
1: Yeah, and this all just comes back to setting those expectations in advance. Sitting down and discussing with your family. Here's the plan. And as you do that, say, I love you. And just keep saying it. I love you and I want to make sure that everything that I have is distributed well and that it's a blessing to the family. So, uh, your heirs—they might be expecting a certain inheritance. Maybe they're even planning on it. Mm-hmm. And if you never talk to them, they'll never know what to expect. So, you want to let them know how much they can expect. Um, let them let them have a basic understanding of, hey, you know, my lifespan is another twenty years. So you could expect all you want, but it's not coming for a long time. I mean, yeah. you know, and it may not be fun. what you think it is, and it <laughs> may not be what you think it is. I mean, it's okay. At the end of the day. Um, yeah, this money is meant to take care of you right. uh, in your old age. And so if you have a retirement fund and it grows to even multi million dollars, but then you do end up needing to use assisted facilities so that you can continue to live another 10 or 20 years, you need to have uh, in-home care or you need to pay for uh, even a, a facility that you live in, that's okay. You don't need to feel bad about not leaving a big inheritance, the most important inheritance that you can leave is the character and integrity and the ability to make wise choices and, and and pouring that instilling that into your children. That's the best thing that you can leave behind. So you don't need to feel bad if you don't leave a big financial inheritance. I do think there's value in it. I do think it can be a really good thing but you know there's millions of people that die every year that are penniless and don't leave anything behind. And we're not walking around, you know, thinking of all of those people all the time. So if you end up in that category, nobody's mad at you, Um, you know, but set the expectation up front because if you don't set the expectation, hey, I only have $100,000 left in my account and I'm planning to live on this for the next couple of years well, then the kids can know, well, we shouldn't be expecting too much. In fact, we might need to end up helping mom and dad versus expecting something from mom and dad. Yeah, And that's important to set those expectations up front.
0: Yeah, I think the worst thing that you can do is to blindside someone after your death. I mean, just make sure that you're communicating everything so that they're one, not expecting something that you can't provide, uh, or that they're planning on something uh, that's much larger than then you're able to give, and now they're in a situation where they weren't responsible because they were hoping or waiting for you to provide the shortage that they they weren't able to do themselves. So I think it's important to have open communications. Uh, and as your parents age, if you're the daughter or the son, if your parents age, engage them in these conversations, not for the purpose of hinting or, or finding out what they're worth, but just to make sure that they're okay. And then. If something's left, you have that opportunity to talk with them and make sure that they are doing uh, what's best for them first, and then uh, that their wishes for blessing their children as they as they pass uh, is realized.
1: Yeah, that's really great. Um, later on in November of this year, uh, my church is putting on a huge legacy conference. And this conference is something that I said, this is a great opportunity for me to invite my parents mm. and my parents-in-law, invite the in-laws and my parents to this conference to create the opportunity for conversation, yeah. to say, hey, look, let's go learn about this together together and then let's have some family discussions afterwards. What a great opportunity. Look for things like that in your area where you can sit down as a family. Maybe you print off something from online and you say, you know, family discussion around estate planning and pull some questions and sit down and have that conversation. But as as a child... I'm doing this thinking of my parents. How can I have this conversation with them? Uh, Now, they're the ones that own everything, so they have the authority to talk about it or not talk about it. I'm not going to force them to do something, but I'm going to open up healthy communication so that I can have the proper expectations and I can also help plan in case they ever call on me to be a trustee. Okay, well, how do I manage this? What are your wishes? What are the things that matter to you? And how do I help you fulfill that even when you're not on this planet
0: anymore. Yeah, that's great. Well, we started talking about this topic by mentioning that 60% of people don't have an estate plan. So the first and most important thing is that we just help people become educated about this topic, that they understand why this is an important thing to consider as part of their financial plan. And then all the details and everything else, how they work that out, that's up to them. That's up to their their wishes. Uh, but it's just important to be educated. So I'm glad you're taking the opportunity to open that conversation, David, because I think it'll serve your family well, everyone, by bringing them to a more awareness of what this is all about. And that's really what we want to do is educate people to understand that estate planning is just part of your overall financial plan. It's just one thing that you need to make sure that you're doing just like everything else that you're doing, managing money every month, saving, investing for the future. An estate plan is just that final document that allows your heirs to know exactly how to distribute what you've amassed all your life. So we hope that you've benefited from this topic. Uh, I know we didn't touch on everything, but what we encourage you to do is to continue to learn, continue to, to uh, do some research and, and learn about estate planning and what's best for you and your family. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music so that it's easier for more people to find and benefit from it. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, please find us and follow us. We'd love to have you be part of the personal finance conversation and let us know how we can serve you and answer your questions or any other topics that we can cover through the podcast so that you can be better equipped to manage your money. You can find the show notes to this episode, more content and resources at leosabo.com. We look forward to having you join us next time so that together we We can can keep keep getting getting money money right. right.
1: Ask your heirs if they want something specific. I'm talking about sentimental gifts, something small like a teacup or a book collection, something that maybe really matters to one child because it's tied to a memory that wouldn't matter as much to the other children.